Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Yo, what's up? This is Michael Rappaport, and this is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Today, we are talking about taking over the number one podcast spot in the world in sports. Talking about the the feeling of that, the gratification of that. We're talking more ass bleaching. We're talking about the Laura Ingram Fox reporter and the LeBron James Kevin Durant shut up and dribble comments. We have some fantastic, very weird, very wonderful, and very wacky sick fucks of the week on a brand new smash mouth. I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, and later on in the show, after me and G Moody, last name rhymes with duty, do our thing, we got the icon, street ball legend, and one mixtape legend. You see him on Instagram, you see him on Twitter, you see him at your local park, he loves to play ball. We got the professor... It's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast coming up next with my man G. Moody, the champ, Michael Rappaport, the champ, the Dust Brothers, the champs, Miles, Jordan. Let me get something really, really funky. Let's go. All right. We're here. Yes, we're here. Have no fear. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. Um, I'm going to be referring to Mr. Moody at times during this I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast as champ. And <laughs> if, if Mr. Moody refers to me as champ 
during this podcast. Don't don't be thrown off because we, we might both refer to each other as champ. Because as far as this uh, podcasting shit goes, we're the new champs. We're, 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 we're the new champs. Yes. Yes. Uh, so this is the Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. a White Mike, a.k.a. Mr. White Folks. I'm here with the champ, uh, G Monetti, G Moody, last name rhymes with duty. That's the show. Three-time podcast co-host of the year, and you are now rocking with the best. I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast is currently the number one sports podcast. It is currently the number one sports podcast. Now, you, if you listen to the episodes, if you listen to the show... You know that we are not just sports. We are not just one thing. That's just the category we are in. But it's been a long time coming. We've we've fought. We've rocked. We've poured our heart out for 388 episodes. It is now the 389 episode of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. And the thing that made me so proud to see us at number one is that we did it under duress. And since we did it under so much duress, I'm adding one of my monikers as Michael Rapport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting. <laughs> I like it. Hell 15 yeah. <laughs> rounds. 15 rounds. You never got me down, Ray. You never got me down. Never got me down. You never got us down. Tried to come for us. You sent your little fucks to do a ratings raid. Yeah. He sent the little 17-year-olds to do the ratings raid. Like a little panty raid. Oh, we're going to go raid the ratings. Little little frat house. We're going to go raid. We're going to go raid our sister house. Go raid their panty closets and run back across the the campus in their their (laughs) bras and, and underwear. Fuck your ratings raid. Didn't work. Didn't work. The 388 I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast that we did under duress. Probably the finest hour plus of shit talking you'll ever hear. Instant classic. (laughs) Entertaining, no doubt. Gave him that Willie Hutch. And we got a whole lot more. Listen. I'm not mentioning these fucking bozos anymore. They, they were talking about me online. And we're, we're talking about 50 people, 60 people, 70 people. And their little fucking panty raiders talking about me online, talking about me on their podcast, talking about me on their bullshit, whack-ass, serious XM Channel 85 cornball radio station for hours upon hours. We came out with one Beautiful, magnificent. This podcast, which is now being called the hit 'em up of podcasting, which is now being called the who shot you of mm. podcasting, and we shut them the fuck down. Undisputed. <laughs> Undisputed. The Bronx Bull, the Raging Bull, the Jake LaMotta of podcasting. That's me. How you feeling about that, champ? Champ, when you saw that we were at the number one spot 
and we were top 15 overall, top 12 overall. It fluctuates under duress, under the fact that these guys want to take our five-star earnings, our five-star yes. rating, and do a little panty raid and bring us down to 1.5 stars. Listen, I love all the ratings, but here's a fact, dumb fucks out there. And I know you're listening, assholes. <laughs> I know you're fucking listening because you're like, what's he going to say about me now? You're next. You're next. Mm. I'm coming for you. Mm. Yeah. I'm coming for you. And your big fucking teeth, your big fucking bleached teeth, your overgrown fucking teeth, you're next. If I see you in another video, if I see another post like, I'm coming for you and your big fucking teeth. I don't give a fuck about any of it. I'm coming after those big barstool fucking teeth. The twin towers of teeth. You bring them to New York. Get those giant fucking teeth. Get them out of my city. Oh, man. If I see one more video from this, I'm going to drag you. You're getting dragged in those big fucking chompers. Oh, shit. You're all listening. Yo, you asked me what I felt. Man, I felt like the fastest to the number one spot. 380 episodes <clears throat> later, we at the number one. That's what, that's what it is. That's what it's supposed to be. This is where we're supposed to be at. We leave suckers in the dust. Yo, that's what it is, man. And, and no, is. you know, it's not the fastest, Gerald, and, and, and I'm going to disagree with you on that because a lot of episodes, they make a splash, they make number one, and, and that's cool. The fact that, that we did it, we, it was earned, not given. Earned, not given. We're not playing little tricks online. Yeah. Like these bozos, these little tricksters, these little... Rating Raider fucks. Yeah, that sucker shit. Going that's, that, that's that sucker yeah. shit. That's that bullshit. Yeah. We're not telling our fans subscribe and unsubscribe. Subscribe, unsubscribe. So you can yeah. fake Jack. You faking Jacks with the ratings. We earned yeah. it. Yeah, in spite of that. <laughs> in spite of that, we came, we saw, we conquered the I Am Rappaport stereo. You're now, listen, listen. When I say you're now rocking with the best, you are now rocking with the best. Right. 15 fucking rounds. And because we went 15 rounds, it never got me down. If you've never seen the movie Raging Bull, I talk about it a lot. It's my all-time favorite movie. The scene when Robert De Niro, who's playing Jake LaMotta, fights Sugar Ray Robinson for the third or fourth time, and Robinson pummels him. And then LaMotta walks over to Ray, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. He said, you never got me down, Ray. You never got me down. Bloodied beaten that's me i'm the fucking jake lamotta of podcasting so we're going to bring back something that we started from the beginning now i'm going to i'm not going to make any promises this isn't a a segment that we could do every week but today is the return of the robert de niro line of the weekend of course i'm going into the bag of raging bull (laughs) i woke up this morning gerald i literally felt like fucking jake oh how? How so? What, I just what, was what like, I, I was like, I was fucking, I felt like, you motherfuckers, you wanted to try to come for me. You wanted to try to fucking shame me, humiliate me, talk shit about me, fabricate things, lies, exaggerate, not tell the whole story. You wanted to come after me, and I'm still here. I'm still here. I felt like fucking Jake in his prime. I hear you. And I'm going to tell you something. Because I, I thought about a lot, a lot about this. 
And it wasn't just with those fucks. You know, we don't say your name on here. Nah, no love. We don't no say shout. your name on here. You know who you are. The guy who bleaches his asshole. Oh. You know <laughs> who you are. The guy with the gimmick mustache. You know who you are. The guy with the face. Yeah, you with the fucking face. Oh, yo, you think he got the face? He got the motherfucking face. <laughs> Homeboy with the face. You know who you are. You're listening. I never listened to any of your shit ever. No. Never. When I was on there, before I was on there, never. You're whack. You're listening. All of you. You're nervous. You're nervous. But I'll tell you something. And I'm going to tie this into Laura Ingram and Fox News. And me and you have talked about this. We've talked about it on the air. We've talked about it off the air. You've known me my whole life. When I say I am the king of disruptive behavior, I am the king of disruptive behavior. This was a stigma that was, was, was put on me when I was a kid. I was kicked out of the third grade. PS 158. Okay? Public school in the third grade. There was no violence. There was no fire starting. There was no nothing. The word was disruptive behavior. Now I embrace it. Now it's my fucking superpower. Okay? That's my fucking superpower. Spider-Man casts webs. I don't know what the fuck. Superman's got a few different things. My, my superpower is talking shit. <laughs> oh, shit, man. Okay? And, I, and I'm going to tell you something. Now that I'm soon to be 48, and listen, people, my birthday's March 20th. Okay? I'm 47. It's coming. I'm going to be 48 years old. You know, I have perspective. And, 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 and I hope that the people listening out here, you understand that I'm very, very aware that I rub people the wrong way. I'm very aware that at times I could be abrasive, but it comes with the fucking territory. If you're going to talk shit the way I talk shit, not everybody's going to like it. Not everything's going to land the same with everybody. You're going to ruffle feathers. You're going you're gonna to offend people. You're going to irritate. I don't do it on purpose. I talk my shit and let the chips fall where the chips fall. That's how I do it so good because I don't pre, it's not preconceived shit talking. Okay? And if you let the chips fall where the chips fall, sometimes you're going to you're going to say something. If you talk as much shit as I do, sometimes you might spit on people accidentally. You ever been around a loud motherfucker who's talking shit and they spit on you accidentally? That happens. I understand it. Sometimes it could be lonely being the MVP of talking shit. Mm-hmm. Okay? Comes with the fucking territory. Sometimes it could be scary. Sometimes I think to myself, did I take things too far? And sometimes I'll say to myself, yes, you have taken things too far. But 99.9% of the times in my shit talking career, I don't mean no harm. I don't mean no foul. I don't mean to offend any fucking body. And the most important thing about being the MVP of talking trash, the MVP of talking shit, the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, is that I could take it as good as I give it. Grew up on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, had the pleasure of meeting our friend, our mutual friend Dupree from Harlem, New York, in 1982, the same year I met Mr. Moody, a.k.a. the champ, started hanging out in Brownsville, section of Brooklyn, Harlem, New York, and the rules were very clear from the beginning. 
I didn't even need to be explained them. You knew the rules. You get out of line with the wrong motherfuckers, you might get punched in your face right there. Not beaten up. Someone just might punch you in your fucking face. You get out of line with the wrong motherfuckers, for real, you might get shot and killed. Gerald, please talk about uh-huh. what you saw growing up. I saw uh, tough shit, man. Like, you just had to be... I, I can't answer that question, rap. That shit is... You bugging me out. I, I can't explain that, but it, it's Because just, you don't like to talk about it because it's too real. I mean, you saw yeah, things... Like, you would tell me yeah. things that you saw, and I would be, like, rocked to my core, but they were so... It was just part of where you where you came from. Yeah, it's part of uh, how, you know, how some people were living, and then you outside and you you see some things, and but it's just you know, unfortunate. But uh, you know, I, I've seen it, and then you know, we having fun as well. So it's unwritten rules about snapping on each other and shit like that. And uh, yo, you gotta you take it and you give it. And and the reason why I'm bringing this up is I ain't no tough guy. I talk tough. I've never been a tough guy. Anybody that knows me knows that I don't try to be a tough guy. I don't claim to be a tough guy. A lot of people that are not from New York, they hear the, the, the shit. They hear the, the fuck. They hear the cursing. They hear right. the tone. And they go, oh, right. this guy thinks he's... T-. I know I'm not a tough guy. I know I'm not. A- I've been around tough guys. I've been around <laughs> murderers. And when I say been around murderers, murderers. Real life people that have actually murdered people. Killers. But the point that I'm bringing up is that, and the reason why I went back into this old stuff is that for me, I always understood and being exposed to, to, you know, the hood, whatever you want to call it, and being around the shit that I was around, it influenced me, it changed me, it helped mold who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you this, when it comes to talking shit and snapping, I never talk shit and snap on somebody who I like. That's the rules growing up. You don't talk shit and snap on people you don't like. It's like a term of endearment to talk shit. That's a sign of infection to snap on somebody. Yo, you dusty ass motherfucker. Look (laughs) at your shit. Your whole grill is ashy. Why the fuck is your whole grill ashy? You out at the park. Look at your fucking, look at your, all that. Yeah. But when we get on that Willie Hutch and I have to use it as my superpower, now we cooking. (laughs) <laughs> See, and, and these motherfuckers who they're not getting mentioned on it, they, they never quite understood it from the beginning. They right. never st- quite understood. These are the people that would refer to somebody like me as a wigger. These are the people that would be fascinated and confused and really have to wrap their head around. Why do so many black people come up to you and recognize you? Why is that even a thought in your sick fucking mind? Right. But because I was under so much duress... With that nonsense. And it ain't over. I'm going to tell you something, G. Now, you never met this this asshole bleacher, right? You never saw him. I never saw him. Now, now what I was thinking about really doing, G, you know, this rough and rowdy thing, which is sort of like a strongman contest. You just They just get anybody in there. They box and shit. They knock the oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Okay, saw you, that. You, you, but you never met him. Nah. Okay, he bleaches his asshole. Oh, man. Why That's, would a motherfucker want to do that? I don't know why. <laughs> he bleaches his asshole. That's Okay. Now, me doubling up on the fact that I know I'm not a tough guy. Okay? I know I'm not a tough guy. All this hoopla, all this people people want to come down and say this, come down and say this to me. 
uh, talking all this bullshit on online and all this. This is what I was thinking about, Moody. Miles Jordan, keep this in here because I'm, I'm going I'm to say it in a diplomatic way. This rough and rowdy thing is big business, right? There's money, be, yeah. money to be made. So this is the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. I, I'm on the front lines. If things go good, I'll inevitably take the credit. I know it's a team effort. I know it's G Moody. I know it's the Dust Brothers and sometimes the young shooter Dean Collins. But when things go good, I'm going to take the credit. But when things go bad, when like when they talk shit, I'm going to be the one getting the T-shirts made up. I'm going to be the one having people coming at me. That comes with the territory. Right. So money is the head of his little fucking operation. Rough and Rowdy is, is a money-making business. So what I'm thinking about doing at 48 years old with ulcerative colitis and a bronchial situation is challenging this asshole bleaching motherfucker <laughs> to headline Rough and Rowdy 3. Winner takes all oh. of the pay-per-view money. I like that. I like that. Go at this cat. Well, yeah, you talking a mad shit? You talking mad Let, shit? Yeah, let's get in the ring, B. <laughs> Yo, and, and, and there's no more tweeting. There's no more yeah. nothing. I represent my shit. You represent yep. your shit. I'm not trying to fight the rest of the world. I'm only trying to fight you. You're talking oh. shit. You say yep. I'm Marshmallow Mike. I say you bleach your asshole. What's good? Yeah, that's right. Let's take it to the ring, B. No more talking. Fuck all this talking. I <laughs> yeah. want you. Right? <laughs> yeah. No more talking. No but more name calling. Nah, fuck no all more. the name calling or all yeah. that shit. And the winner takes home his cut of the pay-per-view money. Yeah. Show your fans what you about, money. Let's see what you where, where you at with this. I'm thinking about doing that. I'm not, I'm not making it official yet, G. Because when I do it, I'm putting it out on a video. I want to see I'll train and I your ass. what's Gucci. What's yeah. really Gucci? I'm, I'm going to be Duke. I'll train your ass. For sure. You know I'm going to get in shape. And they'll say, oh, because I'm, I'm a little bit bigger than him. Well, then you shouldn't be talking shit to people that are bigger than you, Duke. Yo, Ike Tyson fought Razor Ruddick. He was bigger than him, too. Right. That shit, that shit don't matter. Right. Why are you worrying about it? You talking all that shit? What's Gucci? So I'm thinking about doing that. Okay, so, but I started this whole disruptive behavior. Um, it's lonely being the MVP of talking trash at times. Just at times, because the majority of the times, it's not lonely. But at times, it's lonely at the top. That's what they say. Yeah. It's lonely at the top. It's lonely for Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's lonely at the top of the shit-talking mountain. It comes with the territory. So, enough with these guys. And enough with KFC and his fucking <laughs> face. So, the other day, and we didn't talk about this, um, this Fox News reporter, this is like going on a week now, Laura Ingram who's the same woman, it turns out, who at the Republican National Party Committee, whatever the fuck, the Republican National Party, when, when Trump won, she was the one that it, it appeared to gave the Nazi salute. Remember that? There was a woman in a, oh. with blonde hair, overly bleached blonde hair and a blue dress. No, it, it had oh. to be a red dress. Oh, that was her. Oh, wow. And she did that. It looked like a Nazi salute. Yeah. So she went on um, Fox News and she did a whole diatribe about how Kevin Durant, because Kevin Durant and LeBron James did a podcast together 
and and you know they were talking about you know what they talk about they, you right. know they're they're talking their talking their thing you know speaking up speaking up how they want to how they can speak up because the reality of being an NBA athlete or a pro athlete even as 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 passionate and as outspoken as LeBron, Steph Curry, KD, and all these guys do, they can only take things so far. You know, there, there is limits. And, and, and as much shit as I talk about LeBron James, I'll say this. LeBron James, you know, you, listen, I don't need to give my track record on, on the shit that I talk about him. But they always say, is he better than Mike? Is he not better than Mike? As far as being a star and the responsibility of being a black athlete and, and the weight of that, and not being afraid to speak out, he's completely uh, 150% better than Michael Jordan, okay? And obviously, um, it comes with the times, you know, because this woman essentially said, she did say, shut up and dribble. And and Michael Jordan, as great as he is, and I think he's, you know, finding his voice, and uh, uh, Charles Barkley and all these other guys, they came up in a different time. When shut up and dribble... Uh, was was close to you know you had to shut up and dribble. So anyway, back to this this Nazi saluter Laura Ingram. Uh huh. She said at the end of her whole thing, and she's mocking them, and she's like doing all this and blah 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 blah. She said, um, "Shut up and dribble." Right. Yeah. She she didn't say anything when J.J. Watt. Who 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 gallantly and brilliantly, and I'm not I'm not comparing them, but nobody complained when JJ Watt was raising money for hurricane relief. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I got I'm gonna play devil's advocate, but you know you how you can't raise hell for that. You know what I'm saying that that's a positive thing. But she in her you know in her defense kind of she wrote a book telling uh, uh, actors and people who are not well-versed into politics to, you know, not, not speak about politics if you really don't understand it. So she wrote a book about that, and I think that's what she was trying to say, but it came out wrong, of course. And, of course, everybody took it as racist. But she wrote a book telling, you know, celebrities and stuff, yo, you, you really don't know what the fuck you're talking about, basically. So you shouldn't delve into politics on a world stage like that. But that, that monologue, when people are on the news talking... And people are like, whether it's Scott Van Pelt or what's my man's name on, on, on Channel 4, who, who, that funny looking dude? Oh, oh, uh, Lester Holt. Like when people, sometimes people don't know this. If you're on ESPN or Fox News or CNN, whatever you're into, they're reading from a prompter that most of the time they wrote. So her little speech oh, was okay. her words. She wasn't going off the cuff, how, like we're going off the cuff here at the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. And, and for her to mock LeBron James for not going to college and he didn't finish high school, it's clearly so blatantly racist. So blatantly racist. And she's, she's like, you know, basically she's saying, stay in, stay in your fucking place. That's what no. she's saying. I was offended <laughs> by it. I immediately picked up on like the way she was talking and the sarcasm that she was using and the disrespect that she was using towards Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and everybody. Right. Okay, so two or three days went by and you know, we were all we were doing all-star festivities. Um we were doing this, that, and the other. And I finally was like, I knew I wanted to say something. And when I say say something, rant. Or, you know, when I say rant, I mean, like, get on my Instagram and talk some shit. But I also knew that because it's a woman, I have to be careful. You know, you can't just insult women 
uh, uh, without um, people being offended. So, right. so, so I, I really thought about uh, what I was going to say in regards to uh, this woman um, who who actually has the Bobby Brown jaw and who truly is actually cockeyed. Um, <laughs> so I went on Instagram and I and I and I said this rant. Miles, pl- please play uh, this rant. I'm apologizing in advance. I know this is going to offend some women, but I had to do it. This is for Laura Ingram, the cock-eyed Fox News commentator with the Bobby Brown jaw who said that KD and LeBron James should just shut up and dribble. No, cluckhead, you shut up and dribble. These nuts, bitch. You mayonnaise-eating, Melba toast, no seasoning on your chicken cracker. Your butt is so flat that when you stand up, you can see your entire asshole. I'm sorry, ladies. I warned you at the top. You little stunt, you. Your lord and savior, Donald Trump, wouldn't even grab you by the pussy. And if he did, he'd probably get his fingers caught in a mousetrap. You went to college, Laura, and you're proud of that. And what do you got to show for it? A mouth full of fake teeth, a face full of Botox, and some dry-ass hair extensions, and you still never got fucked right. You little jump off, shut up and dribble. The fuck out of here. Okay, so you heard that. And, um, you know, I apologize at the top. I apologize uh, uh, during my shit-talking soliloquy. Uh, two women. I didn't want to offend them. I but but I was like, you know what? If if I'm gonna talk about this woman, I the, I don't know her. I don't care to know. Her. I don't want to know her. I'm gonna talk about what I see, which is she got the Bobby Brown jaw, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever else I see. You know, I don't even <laughs> go deep in it. I'm gonna I'm talk about you, and and I got tons of comments. I I think like eight thousand comments on Instagram, and 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 you know thousands of comments. Uh, hundreds of comments on on Twitter, and uh, you know the video was was passed around. The video went viral, which is another thing that them bozo uh, clowns at that shithole we used to work out. They never they <laughs> never went viral. Oh, they they never went viral because they're not them dudes. You don't uh-huh. talk that good shit. If you talk that good shit, whether you're me, the Jake Lamotta of podcasting, or just a regular Joe Schmo on the street, you go viral. That's the way right. the world works now. You see when you see those. Uh, regular people, they go viral. They're, they're doing rants. You don't talk that good shit. Right. The champ uh, he, he's does. At a, he, he's at a keg party. You're at a fucking keg party doing a panty raid across the campus. Having a marshmallow burning contest. The fuck out of here, Duke. <laughs> you, 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 growing, you growing a mustache as a motherfucking gimmick, Duke. And money with the face. You out there fucking around on your wife. While she got the vagina stitches, and you're trying to come, you're trying to come for me. You don't go viral, Duke, and you try, and you. I don't right. try. I just, I just put it out there, and motherfuckers either take it and they, or they don't take it. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, yo, I'm gonna be honest. My dog Wheezy, the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast News Dog Wheezy, you are destroying me in here. My dog oh. is farting. Damn. I can't take none of that, man. Nah, he's shitting in here. Wheezy. Woo. Nah, you, you're violating the room. You're violating the gloom tomb. <laughs> you stink, uh, dude. Um, go ahead. The, the, the point is, is that I didn't get any negative comments from any women. White, black, in between. They all were like, yo, either good or um, I'm not offended at all. You, it, it needed to be said. Or if it wasn't her, I would be offended, but I'm glad you said it to her. I, I, I didn't really get any negative comments that I saw from any women, and that was my concern. So, so 
it went up, it gets passed around, uh, you know, it, it gets retweeted. Um, those lunatics on that crazy, real radical, they got that Alex Jones freak, Infowars. It wasn't yeah. Alex Jones who who's nuts, but I would have been bugging if he was talking about me because he got the red face. <laughs> he got Mr. the red face, and, and his shtick is nuts. Yeah, conspiracy guy. But this British cat was on there talking talking shit about me, and I, uh, I'm a dumb actor, and what do I? All this bullshit, I don't care. And then apparently Laura Ingram herself with the cock eye, she said something about me, and then it incited other people to complain about me. And of course, they start bringing up the Lily Taylor thing, and they're oh. it, it, instead of instead of calling her 21 times over a weekend, which is really what I did. And showing up to her house unannounced, even though she wasn't there, and tapping on the window, which is what I, what that whole thing was about. Look it up. That's all it was. Gerald was there. Nothing ever happened. Nothing wasn't accused of any anything beyond that. And twenty one times over a weekend, shit. <laughs> if you if you calling somebody twenty one times over a weekend and, and showing up at their house one time, fuck. Listen, it is what it is. It happened. It was the best thing that happened to me uh, at the time it needed to happen. It is what it is. I have no shame in my game. The point is, is that the video got more and more attention. But from the right wing people, they're like, you know, saying the, the, the regular things. Uh, Rappaport says this. He says that. Blah, 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 blah. Cut to the other day at, let's say, 3 o'clock on Wednesday because by the way, people, we, we drop podcasts Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. This week, we dropped that ether that hit them up on a Wednesday because we had to switch all our podcasts. Like It's like a humongous a gigabyte data transfer. I don't really understand it, but it's like a huge transfer of files. So that's why we right. were delayed on Wednesday for the now classic <laughs> gangbang episode. <laughs> Right, the gangbang episode should have came out on a Tuesday, uh, but but the Dust Brothers, Miles and uh, Miles Davis and Jordan Winter, uh, they they stood up, uh, you know, burned the midnight oil and got it done. Um, and of course, we, we came out a couple hours late. That won't happen again. That was our first Tuesday. I felt bad. That was the first Tuesday we ever missed since we started. We never miss a Tuesday. Yeah, consistency. Anyway, so we put out. The who shot you, hit him up, Ether, I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast episode. Uh, people are going nuts. Yada, yada, yada. I post it on Twitter, okay? I post it on Instagram. And then I get an email shortly after that from Twitter saying this video, going back to the Laura Ingram video, talking about her and her Bobby Brown jaw, it says... Hi, Michael Rappaport. Your account at Michael Rappaport has been locked for violating the Twitter rules, specifically for violating our rules against hateful conduct. You may not promote violence against, threaten, or harass other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, racial affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. Mm, that's interesting. Um, wow. So and and so my tweet was, I, I'm apologizing all to to the women. I'm sure this may offend, but this had to be done. Please forgive me. Shut up and dribble? Question mark. Laura Ingram is a true stunt. 
That was my tweet. Now the, mm-hmm. the tweet didn't. It wasn't the thing that did. I don't think they know what true stunt means. It was. It, video. Was, it was the video. And so, so, so you are now listening to me. I am Michael Rapport. I am suspended for six days on Twitter. So first of all, all the fans that fuck with the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, I need a, I need a little support because one of the ways we remind people that the episode is out is tweet. So if if you guys, the loyal fans, the rapper pack, the new fans that fuck with us, the old fans that fuck with us, everybody, if you can tweet out the link which will be posted by I Am Rapport Podcast and G Moody. Pass it around so nobody misses this heater. But the point is, uh, <laughs> is that we're, I'm suspended for a couple more days. Twitter and, rehab. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Twitter rehab. I went to, I'm going to Twitter rehab. <laughs> I'm out there with a Harvey Weinstein, the Twitter rehab. Word. They got your fingers up. They got your ass handcuffed. So Moody's going to hold it down on Twitter. Uh, Jordan and Miles will hold it down on Twitter. And I would love and appreciate... Uh, anybody who's listening to, to to hold us down on Twitter while I'm uh, I'm out here in Arizona at the, at the rehab. Yeah, at that rehab. Um, you at the Smithers? <laughs> what else is going on, Mr. Moody? Got some no good judges. Got a lot of shit going on out here in New York. It was, it was 70 degrees when I came in. 75 degrees. And Jesus. It was warmer here than it was in Los Angeles. That's right, man. It was a it was a great day. Now it's back to forty seven, but man, everybody was out cooling. It was good. It was it was that warm, huh? Seventy five, seventy six. It was nice. That's the best temperature. Seventy six, especially during during the middle smack dab middle of February. I, I like all that, man. Um. So the so the NBA is back. Party's over. All Star Weekend's over. The festivities has started again. And I would be remiss. We would be remiss. Pardon me, champ. It's okay, champ. Thank you. Um, I would be remiss um, if we didn't acknowledge a superhero, a true superhero, the great Julius Dr. J. Irving. Dr. J., the good doctor. His birthday uh, was the other day. Um, Man. How much I love this guy, how much he means to me. I know how much he means to Moody and so many other fans out there. I just want to say happy birthday, Doc. Um, it, I, I got to spend some time around him and all the, all, all the things you heard about him, how cool he is, how gracious he is, and, and just the word cool. Like he epitomizes the word cool. Um, I got to spend time with him uh, at the Big Three last summer. I'm going to get to spend more time with him as a sideline reporter, a.k.a. the Howard Cosell of the Big Three uh, this coming season. But I just wanted to say happy birthday, Doc. Yeah. Happy B-Day, Doc. Remember when we were kids? Yeah. And the games, the NBA games, you could only find them, uh, you know, at certain times, certain places. And and if you missed it, you missed it. you, You might catch some highlights. And Doc... We'd be playing against the Knicks or the 76ers. We'd be playing against uh, the Celtics or the 76ers. We'd be playing against the Lakers. How exciting it was to watch Dr. Yeah. J in his, like, in, in, his, in his prime to late prime. He's the best, man. The best. He was doing some crazy uh, dunks, big-ass hands. Yo, Doc was a pleasure to watch, man. Yeah, he was... Just the way he did it, man. There's just something about it. The way the way he did it. The way he did it. Yeah. Obviously, he wasn't the best player uh, ever. 
Uh, but, but he's it, he might style. be the most influential player ever. Yeah, style. A lot of style with that shit. Um, all right, Miles, Jordan. Let's jump into this. Can I get the sick fuck of the week theme song? This award is earned, not given. It's called the sick fuck of the week. This guy is really sick. Lock him up. How could you do it? Don't let him out. Damn. You fucked the dog? You what? You fucked the dog? Why would you fuck the dog? Why would you fuck your girlfriend's dog? What? Sick fuck. The sick fuck of the week. It's earned. Earned. Not given. You did what? No. 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 Yes, yes. Yes, there it is. That's it. That's that's it. That's a uh, the th- sick fuck of the week theme song. Um, the award-winning sick fuck of the week segment. Um, this is an award that is earned, not given. It is an award that is earned, not given. Uh, it goes out to a certain person with a special. Uh, how do you say? Uh, a je ne sais quoi. So <laughs> on a flight. Again, I want to say this. I said this the other day. The amount of people that are having sex with animals, dogs, goats, cows, chickens, is way down in 2018, and and that's a good thing. I don't miss it. I'm not being sarcastic about it. Um, Again, I feel like we are some of the people that have brought uh, that to the forefront, and I feel like some people are, are more concerned about being blown up on as the sick fuck of the week than they are even about going to jail. So I think that we've brought that violation, that kind of crime on 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 innocent animals down. So congratulations yeah. to you on that also, champ. Yeah, we put that on blast and let people see how how repulsive that was and I think we shied them into the closet with that shit. 2018 is the year of the craziness on the planes on a Delta flight from JFK which is in Queens, New York, to Syracuse. This is about a 45-minute flight at that. It's probably 30 minutes from, from, from Queens to Syracuse on a flight. Probably 45 minutes, 35, maybe 50 minutes. A, a woman, Susan Perez or Pierez, I, don't, I can't say your name. Why would I go out of my way to learn your name? <laughs> You're a sick fuck of the week. She was screaming and yelling and berating the flight attendant, a.k.a. the stewardess, on the plane. It was videotaped, okay? She was screaming in front of a woman and her eight-month-old son. The flight attendant and the mother uh, asked her to please not use that language, and she said, and I quote, shut the fuck up. The whole thing was caught on video. And now this sick fuck of the week got suspended from her job. Good for you, asshole. Uh, uh (laughs) <laughs> That's you gotta go like Robert Harris. Gotta, gotta go, go, gotta go, gotta go. <laughs> um again, Delta Airlines. Delta fucking airlines. Passengers sat on the plane awaiting a departure from Kansas City on an international flight. I don't know where they were going actually. They were at Kansas City International Airport. They had to wait on the plane for 12 fucking hours. 12 hours on the plane. And then at the 12th hour, you know what they said? Uh, uh, The plane's not taking off. It's canceled. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yo. 
They were they were waiting on the plane for twelve hours. Twelve hours. How oh. fucking rude. Oh. Yo. Damn. Yo, Delta, <laughs> what the fuck is you doing? Yo. Yo, there's there's no words for that. Yo, twelve hours is is damn. Twelve then, hours you is probably longer than the flight was supposed to be. Yo, some something needs to happen. You gotta you gotta give me a, a, a free year of, of flight for that shit, man. Um, the women's Canadian hockey team. Listen, I'm all for equal rights, and you're gonna get it too. You fucking sore losers, you. You sick Whoa. fucks. It's the Olympics. The United States women, the American team, beat their fucking ass. We beat the Canadians' ass fair and square. There was no controversy about the calls. We beat your ass. And then a bunch of these Canadian female hockey players, they refused to wear their silver medal. You Damn. sick fuck you. You cocksucker. You put that fucking silver medal on. My girls beat you fair and fucking square. You're fucking second fucking place. You're not first. You ain't got the fucking balls to win the gold medal, girls. You're fucking losers. Let the fucking world know you're a fucking loser. You came in fucking second place. Put your fucking medal on. Yeah, the first loser. That silver. That silver shit is the first loser. That's 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 what you are with the silver medal. You're the first loser. Congratulations to the U.S. women defeating Canada in a thrilling gold medal shootout. Okay, we're the underdogs. We're never supposed to be Canada in hockey, but we beat you this year at the Olympics. Wear your fucking silver medal. Okay, with pride and keep your fucking head down, you sick fucks of the week. Yeah, I got, I got one. Oh, go ahead. An Australian woman who's living in Bali uh, right now. She she's on some health kick and and she was it was in a Daily Mail, and she drinks her own menstruation and she encourages other women to do that to boost their energy levels. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, why don't you just have a Mountain Dew? That's what Russell Westbrook drinks. You see how much fucking energy he's got. So you can't have a Mountain Dew is not good enough for you. Nah, she 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 wants uh, her period juice. No, and uh, and I guess you know she's looking to kind of maybe market it. Nah, no. Nope. You have a, a latte with a with a with a a double pump of period juice. Nah, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. She's a sick fuck. Don't don't Absolutely. don't bring that to anybody else. No one else wants that. <laughs> you drink your own shit. <laughs> yeah, we, and, and if you want to drink it, that's on you. See, and you shouldn't brag about it. Yeah, because okay? because first of all, like like I'm worried about your breath. Your mouth stinks. Yeah, she, um, she's like it's Gatorade. <laughs> finally, sick fuck of the week. Uh, this person's a sick fuck of the week. The Supreme Court judge that uh, uh, granted him the stay is a sick fuck of the week. But there is a man, uh, a convicted murderer, uh, uh, an Alabama killer, was set to be executed, argued that his terminal cancer and past drug use would make lethal injection 
unconstitutionally painful. And the Supreme Court and the judge granted him a stay. Yo, oh. fuck you, money. Oh. You did all that dirty shit. And you did all that grimy shit. If you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Uh, don't yeah. do it. Shout out to Beretta. <laughs> oh, Sammy Davis. <laughs> Yo, but if, if there's loopholes and you could, you know, figure out a way to do it. Hey, man, you, you, you got to give it to the guy for, for, for accomplishing that. Yeah, but yo, why don't you just take, take your, your, uh, your sentencing like a man? You, you, you killed somebody, now you copping please? Fuck yeah. that shit, man. They, uh, they got these judges, man, and you know, I got a fucking no good judge here. Okay, okay, well, that's the sick fucks of the week. Uh, perfect segue to go into the no good judge of the week. Uh, it's just a, another award-winning segment created by the three-time podcast of the year, G. Moody. But on this episode, yep. I'll just simply refer to him as Champ. That's right, Champ. So here we go. The no good judge, married Florida no good judge, Jay Rossman, who's married to an attorney, was arrested for arranging to pay an undercover police officer 300 bucks for a mic check at a nearby telly. This, like, he got caught up in one of the Craigslist ads. So the judge, the no good judge, is online in Craigslist trying to set up rendezvous with uh with police. And, and he got busted, and his wife is an attorney. So oh. this this is what we got to deal with. This is what uh rendering decisions in, in the courts. And and it was specifically, he was trying to get a, a, a mic check, uh, a, yeah. a.k.a. some brain, a.k.a. Yeah. some skull. Uh, top dome. Pick one. All right. Well, listen. It's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. And as I said earlier, we got a special guest coming here at the end to clean it up. All-star icon of the street ball world. And I hate that term, but this guy is truly an icon. We got the motherfucking professor. The professor. You know the guy from the N1 Mick tape? The little white kid who got the nickname the professor and he was out there scraping, cutting, busting people's ass? You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Professor's nice. The professor is rocking with us on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. After the professor, I'm going to close things out, as I promised, with the Robert De Niro line of the week. Stay tuned for the professor. It's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. All right. I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. This is going to be dope. I know people are going to be hyped about this. I'm excited about this. I'm here with legitimate basketball. I don't like the term streetball. Basketball legend. Okay, we're going to say NBA legend. No, but basketball legend, streetball legend, internationally known, the motherfucking professor. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for having me on, man. Is with me on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Let's go. Had to. I'm a fan, man. So your real name is Grayson. Correct. So I don't know if I'm going to call you Grayson or Professor. I mean, it's weird to call you Professor. Everything works. Everything works. Everything yeah. works. Street ball, the streetball community called me Fess, short for Professor. That's good. People who know me call me Grayson or Gray. Anything works. G, P-Funk. All right. So <laughs> from what I know about uh, your career and about your N1, you know, sort of emergence, and like, you know, there's been a like sort of, you know, with streetball and growing up in New York, there's always sort of these sort of big bang moments in streetball. You know, they're going back way before it was even televised to, 
you know, the myths, whether it happened or not, Dr. J taking, you know, the quarters off the top of the backboard to Wilt Chamberlain at the Rucker. And I mean, there's sort of these big bang moments. Yours was certainly a big bang moment. Hey, praise God. How did you get on the N1 tour? Was it as simple as what we saw? Yeah, so literally I was a fan of the N1 mixtape tour ever since I think the late 90s. Then when I was a sophomore in high school, I caught like volume two, three. Next thing you know, they had an ESPN show. Uh, the season one was 2002. I loved the show. I was living the and one lifestyle. I had the shoes, all that as a high school senior. And you're, you're where? Where did you grow up? I'm, I'm in Kaiser, Oregon. So, so where is that? That's, a, that's an hour south of Portland, Oregon. Okay, so yeah. you're in the fucking sticks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you're balling. You could ball. You got flavor with your shit. And you're like in the fucking... The mountains or the, like, where are we? The no, trees? It's, it's country. It's, yeah, it's a lot of farmland okay. you know, in Oregon. So it's our south of Portland. Um, it's like a suburb of Salem, actually, the capital. Okay. So, so not super sticks, but definitely, look, country. You know and, I mean? and, and not super sticks, but close to where are the super sticks. Like, if you keep going, you're... <laughs> Liz, it doesn't take long to get to all farmland. I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, five, ten minutes Like, how, how, do you have a Starbucks out there? We got, oh, yeah, yeah. That's we, my I mean, litmus on everything. <laughs> like, how far away is the nearest Starbucks? Because if it's more than... In my opinion... In the United States, if you're five minutes away from a Starbucks, in my opinion, you're in the fucking boondocks. Because yeah. being a city person, like literally from where we are right now, if you walk in any direction, you're going to run into a Starbucks. Yeah, we got we got about 10 minutes of Starbucks, probably. Okay, yeah. 10 minutes makes me a little 10. uncomfortable, but I can live with 10 <laughs> minutes away. All right, so go ahead. Yeah, so um, yeah, literally 2002, I was a fan of uh, the season one. 2003 rolls around after my freshman year in college. I walked on to a local JUCO I, I was tiny. I had a lot of offensive skills, but my coaches never believed in me because of my size and, and defensively. But you're not that small. Like, I thought you were good. Based on the way you look on TV and on videos, like, how tall? Like, 5'10"? 5'10", yeah. You're not, you're not 150, like, though. Not very heavy. Yeah, but you're not small. You're not like 5'5". Five, 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 you're not Nate Robinson. No disrespect to Nate Robinson, but I'm just saying you're not, like, totally undersized for, a, like, a college basketball player. Totally, totally. I think it was the fact that I was so lightweight, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, a short white guy doesn't look athletic. Right. So it was hard for me. Like, I was a junior on JV. I, I transferred to a, a Christian school my senior year just so I could get a better opportunity for basketball. Right. No college offers, even though I got second team all state because it was a small league. Walked on to the local JUCO. I played five minutes a game. If it was close, I didn't even get in. Were there any, like, players that were good on that team? Like, legitimately good? Or did you feel like you were not getting... Like in hindsight, not no disrespect, but like in hindsight, are you like I should have been playing more? I would actually say no. So we had a lot of Division One, Division Two, you know, prospect guys, and and they were very you know good players. But I kind of like shied away from contact on defense. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't a pest on defense, nor was I physical in any type of way. So people were scared of the defense. You um, didn't play any fucking D. Didn't play no D. No, okay, no. I mean, I, I'd be like occasional steal, you know, a little reach here and there, but not like you play Lonzo Ball D. <laughs> all right so, so okay so go ahead so, yeah so after my uh freshman year that that spring i improved like 300 i always tell people i improved 300 percent, and i always tell these kids all the time you can improve a lot in a short amount of time if you're working on your weaknesses and you're practicing the right way so i was doing two a days i was in the weight room i was working out with those guys who were going division two division one by the end of the spring summer i was, I was like one of the best if not the best player in the gym Okay. So so then the An One tour having to roll around. I decided to go try out, not even knowing they were doing that nationwide contest. Okay. I, I had played the year before. I tried out and played against a couple of the guys. Okay. So I'm like, hey, even if I don't 
you know, making it during the trial process, I'd be cool just sit back, watch hot sauce, ale, Ali Mo, and these guys do their thing. But tried out, made the N one game, and then because um, it was sort of like a reality show, like you play yes. in the parking lot, yes, and they'll pick one or two or no players to play with the guys. Yeah, so it was a Survivor themed reality. Remember, reality TV was blowing up in the right. early two thousands, right? So they actually kind of themed it off. Kind of like Survivor, where it was a narrowing down process. You stay on, you can get voted to go home. Right. Every few games was an elimination game. Right. So basically, I went yeah to the Rose Garden. We we played the one game, and I got the crowd to stand up a few times, scored, went against Hot Sauce a little bit. And then next thing I know, after the game, they're like, hey, so you're coming on tour with us. You made it. Like, are you good with that? And I'm like, well, like I love the one So I was like, let's go. So next thing I know, I go throughout the process of the summer, and... The last game, which you were talking to, one of the last games at Madison Square Garden, and I had went through the whole duration of the summer, and uh, we beat and won that game. We had a game in Philly, and then we did a game in the hood, like in Linden, New Jersey, uh, where main event grew up playing. Right. And then they picked me to win the contract, and I was just elated. That was the greatest. So you go on the tour, and you guys are playing against the N1 guys. Yes, and you you guys are all guys that were picked up throughout like from other cities. It was actually uh, it was it was a combination of a few guys. So like five or six of them were guys who played overseas, like either Division One or Division Two overseas. And then the other half was guys who tried out in the parking lot. So it was, okay. so it was sort of a combination because they didn't want to put like scrubs out there. So right. the and one tour, a lot of people don't know. They try to some people think it was like the globe tries. It was like squads. Like I was playing next to dudes that played Division One Pro overseas night in, night out, but that original and one team was really talented. How competitive were those games? By the time you guys got to the garden, mm-hmm. that was sort of like the was that the apex of N one on ESP like like was that the as big as it got? I think yeah, it was, it was either one of the big moments. Two thousand three to two thousand five was the biggest, the biggest time period. And but, so, yeah. so those games, like the game when you're going against like the original N one dudes, and they're competitive, they talk shit, they all have reputations. Yeah. You guys are lesser known, and and who are the who are some of the guys on that team? Of regular, it was it was Hot Sauce. Yeah, Hot Sauce one of the biggest name guys. Uh, Ao from Philly. Right. There was um, who else was down at that time? It was Half Man, Half Amazing. Right. Main event. Right. Uh, Shane the Dribbling Machine. Right. Um, who who else? I'm Ali Mo. Right. Uh, Escalade. So wow. It was, it was it was a squad. That, what a lot of people didn't know is even though the guys were flashy and they entertained in the game, like all those guys could have played at least Division Two overseas. Absolutely. Probably, probably Division One. And a few guys were just short of the NBA just because, like, maybe position wise they didn't fit. You know, fit in or. Maybe they couldn't really be coached, right. lack discipline in certain right. areas. So it was competitive. Like there was no nothing was ever staged like that. You know, a lot of people think street ball sometimes staged or something. What moment? I mean, there's got to be a bunch of them, but like your earliest moment when you're out there playing against these dudes. These dudes talk shit. They're doing the fucking throw the ball off the face shit, which wasn't invented when I played in the park. When no. I grew up, that wouldn't happen. No, like that started happening. I was about 19. Like I remember seeing this. I was like, that's fighting shit. Mid 90s. You don't throw a ball off anybody's face. I don't give a fuck how. Like, it's <laughs> fucked up. Like, no one's, I mean, it, it's fuck. It hurts. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Like, it's daunting. Like, I've never had a ball thrown off. Like, you guys started doing this crazy shit. Here's what happened. When I first saw it, like, in 95 or 96. I actually saw Steve Francis, the first player I ever seen do it. But here's how it started off. It started off where when the if the guy guarded you and he was only, like, a foot away from you, you would you would do a move to sort of distract him, and you like lightly tap it off the forehead. 
somehow it evolved to where the crowd liked it a lot, to where it got to a point where like people were like going from from me to you right now, about six feet, boom. Which that's disrespectful. You know, I try I try to take it to that level, but a couple times I've you know gone a little too far with that. Maybe what? So what was one of your first moments you remember? You were like, "Yo, I'm out here." I'm doing it. Like, like, what would be like the play or moment that you remember that was on the games that even I could reference in what you're saying here? Oh, it had to be halfway through. So we went on a little intermission. I think I think the tour is 33 games. So we we're about 15, 16 games. And we went home for like a little intermission. And I remember I thought of like a couple new moves. We came back. And I think our first game back was in Detroit. And I had like this battle with hot sauce. But here's how it went. It was maybe like the second quarter or something. He came down, did some crossover move because he was really quick. He was really fast. He did some crossover move and like hezied me, and I I slipped almost did the splits. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I gathered myself with one hand. I tried to get up as quick as I could to get a piece of it. Just barely missed it, and he hit a three. Everybody wanted to dang near run on the court, so they stood up, went crazy. Me at that time, I'm thinking like, how do I top that? Like, you know what I mean? I've never even been to Detroit, much less. And the crowd is amped. You're a white dude out yes. here. It's a rowdy fucking crowd. Unknown too, yeah. So oh, unknown white dude. You had the hair. Like you played the role to a T. I was just being myself, you know. So next thing I know, my coach is this. I love this guy. This guy, Mike Ellis. He was screaming. He's all rowdy. He was like, go back at him. Like, what you doing? I was like, oh, okay. So I came down. A little bit nervous, not knowing what to do. And for some reason, I just went into the zone. I did like every move I could possibly think of on hot sauce and then ended it with like a pullback. Like I went for a couple steps, pulled it back, and he got, he actually went for it. He got crossed, a faked, and then I drove. And it's a funny thing is, I don't even remember how I, the ball went in, but I drove and hit like some long, like floater or something. But then the, the erupt, the crowd eruption was like twice as big as it was the first time. And I think after that game, I remember thinking to myself, like, this could be a staple. This could be something I do. And what has been the sort of like the biggest crowd with N1? Because I, I want to talk to you about international, but like what was sort of like th- like the craziest sort of place? Oh, man. Um, the first time we went to Asia was insane. We went to Japan. So we sold out a 12,000 seat arena several times in the same city. That was nuts. Um, actually. And what was the, like, what is playing ball over there like? Oh, um. It was funny because they were so excited. Like, they get so excited because they know you're not going to come back every year. You know what I mean? They, they look at it like, hey, this could be a once-in-a-lifetime thing in Japan, right? Or, or if we're in Paris or South America. So they get much more excited over things. Like, I'll come down. I won't even get into my main move. I'll just do, like, some sort of promotion, and they'll lose their mind off that. So I remember the first time we actually went overseas, period, we were in Paris. And that game was nuts. That was some of the most nuts energy I've ever been a part of. When we went to Sao Paulo, Brazil, first time in South America, we did 20, an arena and sold out 25,000 on Wednesday. And it was so crazy that they were like, hey, do you guys want to stay and do another game on Sunday? Like, we'll pay you extra fee if you guys want to stay. And we were all like, oh, for sure, because we were in Brazil. It, it was nuts. The energy there, we were playing in some sort of, like, football stadium. It was, it was crazy. Now, you've been all over the world. I haven't been to Japan. I've, I've never been to France. I've never been to Brazil. Mm. You're a young guy. You're overnight star. Mm. This N1 mixtape tour was fucking huge. And if you like basketball, it was huge. It was like a phenomenon. It was sort of like um, akin to like hip hop. Like it was like this new, fresh, new globetrotters on steroids thing. Mm. You're in Brazil. You're in Japan. You're in France. Other places. Now, you're a young guy. Women, 
Where would you say has the most beautiful women? And when you're in Brazil, is like they're JLo's working at the gas station. <laughs> like, is there JLo? Because I've never been to Brazil. I'm a married uh, man. Uh, I've, I've fantasized about going. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, when you go to like, like a 7-Eleven in Brazil, is Jennifer Lopez types working at the 7-Eleven? Definitely... Brazil definitely has some of the most beautiful women. But, yeah, that's what's funny. They'll be working, like, low-end jobs. So it's a third-world country to, J-Lo, the, to the fullest. Right. Yeah, like— Essentially J-Lo. Essentially J-Lo could be working at, like, yeah, like a laundry spot. Yeah, or like a 7-Eleven type Laundry spot, 7-Eleven. She could be, like, anywhere. <laughs> yes. And you're a young man. You married? No, I'm not married. Not married. No. So at, a, at the time, you're from what part of Oregon? Kaiser, Oregon. Kaiser, Oregon, where you have to go 10 minutes to get a Starbucks. So you're like, you don't have to be in detail. But are like guys like going fucking, you're stars. You're getting mm. celebrity team. Are like are guys losing their fucking minds over there? Oh, absolutely. Our team? Yeah, we got way, we had a lot of fun. We had way too much fun, oftentimes, oftentimes. So yeah, losing our mind, you could define it as that a few times. It was definitely, it was some great times, definitely some wild times for sure. And <laughs> why did the show on ESPN end? Like, like why did it come to an end? It's a good question. So basically what happened is in 2006, it was like right after we were on a cover Sports Illustrated and one mixtape is on an all-time high, we get the news last as the players that uh, the company had been bought out by different owners. So the original four guys that started it sold it for, for a hefty fee. He paid a, you know what I mean? And now it was in the hands of some people that really didn't know much about basketball at all. They were actually based out here. And... Um, they did the tour for a couple more years just because they had a contract. From my understanding, they had a contract with the production company. Oh. So it was on ESPN just for uh, 06, 07, 08 to, to do out that contract. Maybe it was the contract with ESPN, production. It was, it was hard for us to gather all the info, but basically that's why. And then 2009 came and they were like, hey, we're going we're gonna to brand NBA because they didn't even know the people at that time that the brand was built off streetball. You know what I mean? And that's why it came to the forefront. But I didn't blame the owners because at the end of the day, the owners started in 1993. They're passing out trash talk teachers out of the back of their car right. in New York. So for them to bring it to where it was at, it was a perfect time to cash out. And I didn't blame them. But at the time, I was bummed out. I was like, whoa. So now it's a much less marketing dollars, smaller tours. Right. You know. And it just sort of fizzles, it fizzles away. Yeah. But what was cool is that the market never turned it away. And one turned away. So there was always a market for stuff when it started going uh, the digital route. You know what I mean? Now, so as far as uh, like being recognized, mm-hmm. like you start to have this credibility, this street cred, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, do you remember the first time you got recognized in public as being the professor? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was somewhere, some like country city in the South. I can't remember. And then somebody asked me for my autograph and I was like, oh, sure. You know, I didn't even know how to act. Didn't even know how to write. I really think I wrote my name in print. <laughs> You know, I'm 18 years did old. Did you write the professor or did you write Grayson? Like, I, I, I don't wrote, know who the fuck I, I am at this name. point. I wrote Grayson Boucher in print, not even cursive. And then... Uh, that might be in the Naismith Basketball <laughs> Hall of Fame at this, you know, like this point. Shout out to anybody who's got that that first uh, professor Absolutely. Uh, uh, autograph. And then I remember I remember the PR guy at the time, or the, the player relation guy from Manuel at the time, he was like, hey, man, this is beginning something special. Like, you have no idea. And I remember looking at him like, oh, yeah? Like... Oh, cool. Like, I, I didn't know what he meant. But, uh, yeah, so. Now, as far as street ball, like, you know, you said the games weren't scripted. It wasn't Harlem Globetrotters. No. What's the rule? Because, in my opinion, mm-hmm. street ball, and I'm, I hate, again, I hate that term because I think it's just, it's like, it's basketball, but we'll, we'll refer to it against my will here. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's affected 
some of the stuff that we see in the actual NBA. But what are the rules about, like, you're guarding hot sauce, uh, he crosses you up, he gets you. Mm-hmm. What are the defensive rules? Like, in my opinion, I feel mm-hmm. like if you're playing good defense, if you're playing legit basketball, mm-hmm. you're going to get dunked on, you're going to get crossed up. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it's part of the game. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck who you are. Like, what are the rules when you guys are playing these games? Do you have, you have to D up and whatever happens, happens, correct? Yeah, you have to D up. The only thing was we couldn't have any zone defense. Right, because then you can't do your thing. It, yeah, it was like no zone defense. And uh, to be honest, the only other difference from basketball, it, it was no zone defense. And then it was like... But I'm saying the, the non-spoken rules. like Because yeah. if you don't play defense, mm-hmm. like in these games, if you don't play defense, the other guy can't do his thing. So you sort of have like, sort of like a respect. Like, I'm going to D you up. Whatever the fuck's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you could sag off if you want if You didn't feel like the guy was a shooter. But a lot of the guys, see, a lot of the guys on the team actually did have these other skills that didn't get highlighted as much. So it's like you couldn't just leave somebody over and hit a three. You had to get out there. You know what I mean? So the unspoken rule was like basically a lot of isos. We're looking to push the ball and throw oops so you don't want to take anybody out the air. Right. But for the most part, it was basketball rules. Oh, in the early 2000s, though, the carrying – so like like the carry moves a house sauce and them would do, the crowd at the at the time I think basketball was a little stale. Like after Michael Jordan, you know, Allen Iverson was sort of the face of the, the NBA at that time, but they they wanted something new, so that was hot, right? And and they allowed for carrying right. at, the, at that time, right? So so that would, I'd say that would be an abnormality. But most of the guys didn't really. It was like house and a couple other guys. I remember I early in my career I did a couple of those silly moves because that's what was going. You know, people right. like that, but. Yeah, other than that, it's just basketball, you know? Out of all those guys, who do you think were, like, the best? Like, who were you just most impressed with, like, just talent-wise? You were like, yo, this guy is really good. Because you, you're playing with these guys uh, in front of crowds, not in front of crowds. You're playing pickup. I mean, it's nonstop. Who were out of those N1 guys that you think was like, this guy's really good? I mean, it was me looking at it at that time, like, all of them, to me, to me, were very good. But if I were to pick the cream of the crop, probably uh, skip to my loop, Ray Alston, who started it, N1 Mixtape Volume 1. You know, he was 15, 16 years old playing the record, doing those, playing that style. So that's that's what kind of like birthed the annual mixtape tour. So he made the NBA, played for yep. 10, 12 years. So so obviously Skip was probably the best, I would say. Did you ever play against him? I did a couple times. Yeah, a couple times I did, and I was outmatched, but it was good. I learned a lot from it. Uh huh. And then AO and Ali Mo were two really good players. Ali Mo could have been in the NBA, I think, had he of a – Tried to give somewhat of an effort to go to college. Rest uh-huh. in peace. He actually passed away years, oh. a few years ago. And then um, AO could have been in the NBA. AO like, never even like lifted any weights or, or really wanted to be. I don't even know if he wanted to be coached. Like he loved street ball. He was perfect right. for it. But did he have NBA talent? Like for sure. And you know we see you play in, in these games. See you play online. Global Hooper mm-hmm. is your your tag. I mean you're playing ball every fucking day. I mean, obviously you miss shots, but like I watch you, I'm like, yo, this guy could play. When I watch you in the N one games, I'm like, this guy could play. You get the ball in the basket. You obviously can handle the ball. You pass the ball. You know how good do you think you got? And you know now you're th- how old are you? Thirty three. Thirty three. You look twenty three. That's great. Hey, praise God. Thank you. <laughs> um. So thirty three. Look twenty three. Like you know how good do you think you you are? And and you got like throughout the years like playing because you put so much work into it. Mm. Um, I mean, enough to like to entertain and do work wherever I go. So if I go to Brazil or Africa or New York, I want to stand out and put on a show. You know, that's that's kind of what I say, because 
I, I'm not, I was never a fan of like the street ballers, like I should be in the league and right. do this and that. And it's like, well, why aren't you then? You know what I mean? Right. So, and I never even aimed for that post 2006. I was in the CBA, the old school CBA. You played in the CBA? I did the, the last year. Yeah. And okay, so go ahead, finish. I want to get. Yeah, so I got good. I mean, I mean, as you look, talking about my skill level, like I got to a point where I played in the CBA. For me to make the NBA, I was gonna have to take this like long route, so I didn't do that. But I work out with NBA players in the off season. I do, I do fine. You know, I'm not saying like if I was in the league, it'd be putting in major work. I got but, you. But got to the point where I hold my own against an NBA player. So what NBA players like were you in the CBA? Or then like have you worked out with like like I'm I'm infatuated by that and. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm infatuated by that, and I'm so fascinated by this, is because I grew up wanting to be a basketball player. Now, I never even got close. But for you to have this sort of crazy alternative thing, and it's via streetball, and then you're like in the CBA, and you're working out with pros, and they so all the pros have seen you you know, on N1 mm-hmm. at some point. All the college players have seen you. How crazy did that get to you? Like, where you're like... Holy shit. Like, who are some of the players you worked out with that you played against that that, that I know of? Oh, yeah, it's nuts. I mean, Moochie Norris was in the CBA at that time. Gosh, there were so many NBA guys. I'm trying to think. Who else was in the league? Do you remember Big Strick, the streetball yep, legend? Yep, That Jay-Z raps about? Big Strick was in the CBA. Yep. Uh, Kenny Anderson was actually my coach, funny enough. He was and pretty- I grew up with Kenny. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I played basketball with Kenny th- throughout all my teens. Th- this is one of the first... Kenny Anderson probably was one of the first reasons I kind of knew, although I denied it for years, that I wasn't making it to the NBA. We played one-on-one. I was 12. Kenny was 11. And Kenny Anderson was as good as he was at Georgia Tech when he was at 11. I swear to fucking God. I believe it. The game came easy. Left hand. He was like, dude, he's fucking around me. I'm I'm bigger than him. I'm stronger than him. I probably, you know, was skill-wise... Could do. He's fucking around with me. He's doing like N one shit. This is nineteen eighty two. His handle was nuts. Nuts. But you know what's funny is I even felt like when he coached us, like I think he understood how easy the game came to him. Because sometimes he would get pissed off at us and want us to do like complex stuff that came easy to him. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, we're not all Hall of Famers. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but anyway, no, I dude was talented. Mean. But yeah, re- crazy talent. I got a lot of respect for his game. Um. So what do you do now, like with the international games, like in these these tours and all that stuff? And how did you wind up playing with Allen Iverson? Right now, well, yeah. So I ended up I ended up playing with Allen Iverson uh, with I was actually contracted Ball Up tour. So right. Ball Up was like post and one. They kind of tried to do what and one did. Didn't quite go the same. Uh, came to an end. But along that route, we did a lot of cool international tours. And one of them was this. It was actually the Allen Iverson tour, just for three games in China. So um, we were the players. I really was featuring AI, like myself and Bone Collector were somewhere on the flyer underneath. I got you. And um, we played three games with him over there. I happened to be on his team all three games. It was a blast, man. It was That was big for me because he was the first player in the NBA that actually tried to emulate my game after like in sixth grade. The, you, you emulated his game. Yeah, because I was a big Jordan fan. You know, I couldn't really play like Jordan. I was like 4-2, right. you know what I mean? So the first move that I actually mastered and that people were like, Labeled me as a kid with handles. I had like the quickest AI cross, and that was in sixth grade. So to get to play with him on a tour in front of a thousand people was awesome. Now, if you go to a park, are you able to like not be recognized? Like, because if you play ball in a pickup, there's usually somebody that knows something about something. Like, are you able to go like sort of just play and just ball? No. Everybody, you you get recognized by at least one person in the gym or one person in the park. Yeah. 
And when that happens, what like are they like go crazy or can you play? Like how do you sort of maintain? Because you love basketball, mm-hmm. how do you sort of maintain like just being able to play basketball? Uh, bring security guard. Really? Uh, yeah. Now, like the last few years, yeah. So sometimes the crowds take it different. You know, if you go to like a place where it's primarily you know amateurs, just go pick and pick up. They'll be a little more friendly to it you know it's always like the bigger the egos the better the players you know what i mean so right. the better players a little more abrasive less impressed you know what i mean guys are trying to flex right and then sometimes there's somebody rowdy who wants to play and get all physical or whatever right. so i found that was best but um but yeah no it's been great i mean most people show a lot of love next right. thing you know they're right. called and then next thing you know it'll be a crowd so we we have a great time like i bring these guys, a video crew and a security, or and then a couple other players are gonna play. It's fun. Have motherfuckers wanted to fight you? At or times. You, what's the move? Is it just general, like making them look bad? Or I'd imagine throwing the ball off the face is probably like if somebody wants to fight, that's not the best thing to do, right? To be honest, I don't do that move as much anymore. I'll, I'll do that move in an exhibition if there's like a big crowd because it was, it was really a crowd pleasing move. If there's like right. a few guys in the gym where I pick up, like I wouldn't do that. Um, I like know, I, I would be afraid like to yeah. play with you because I was like I, first of all I think my nose could get broken because I have a protruding nose as you can tell but I, I'm like that's the last thing I'd ever want mm. someone to do is throw a fucking throw a fucking basketball off my face in a <laughs> well, pickup game. Listen, it's supposed to be off the forehead where it's like painless. Yeah, but who knows? You can't. But you never know. It's a lot. You of never variables. need to break somebody's fucking nose. A lot of variables, so I, I stay away from that to okay. be honest. But most of the time, most of the time, it's like already going in. So a lot of people in the elite b-ball world like don't like that I play for a living and got a lot of views on social media. So it's like somebody will just be personal off top and they'll play like their career game when I was just trying to get it running. Right. So it'll be like there'll always be like a couple people like that. And then other times it's been to where, yeah, like a couple moves got done and guy wasn't as happy. But most of the time it's not a fight thing. I try to show everybody a lot of love, a lot of respect. Right. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's all about fun. I, I got you. I'm not a chip on my shoulder player. I used to be like that. I'm actually not these days. So I try to, I try to make it all done out of love and just in not in distaste. I got yeah. you. All right, you were in the the movie Semi Pro mm-hmm. with Will Farrell, basketball classic movie. Um, and you know Will Farrell, it's hard to take him serious. Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care what he's doing. It's like, and especially playing basketball yeah. because he, I played basketball with him in these celebrity leagues. And he's dead ass. And the more dead ass serious he is, the funnier it is because it's just Will Farley. You can't take him serious. Right. Did you ever give him the business? No, we never played. But okay, even f- at lunchtime or anything like that? Played Woody Harrelson. I didn't play. Did you bust Woody's ass? Would you tell the world that Woody Harrelson, <laughs> did you, because t- I played ball with Woody and I was like, Woody, you ain't shit. Listen, you were good in White Man Can't Jump and he plays hard and he's a nice guy. He's one of the, like, he's super nice. But Woody, he thinks he could play. Did you bust Woody Harrelson's ass? You could say it respectfully. Yeah, he didn't he didn't score any points. He didn't score any points. He got that fucked up jumper. <laughs> listen. I mean he's in shape, listen, he's vegan, yeah, he does his yoga and all that, but he can't play ball. I don't give a fuck how many you know that rule, that ten thousand hour rule? Didn't work for Woody Harrelson. He might not have put in two th- ten thousand. No, I think he put in ten thousand. He might. He might have. He he asked me to play a few. Like he was actually really cool. Did you he know? know? Did he know like your pedigree? Did he know your history? Yeah, he lo- he loves street ball. He okay, was, he was real cool. Him and Will. Like I remember the first. day. And I love Woody Harrelson. Yeah, we no, we played like twenty. We played like twenty one or thirty something like that in front of everybody one day. He wanted to play. So I was like one on one. Yeah, so I was like, all right, cool. And uh, wait, wait, he was he challenged you. Woody Harrelson challenged you to a one on one. Yes. Did you throw it off his face? 
No. Did you do all the other shit to him? Uh, yeah. It was was he trying to reach? Between the legs and all that. No, I eventually started sagging off and I was just hitting jumpers. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> what other... <laughs> I like that. Well, what other... Because I wish I was ever as good as my shit talking. Because as you could tell, I like to talk a lot of shit, but I was never yes. as good. And I think I compensated by honing my shit talking skills. Gotcha. Um, was there any other, like in that, um, when you were filming that movie, Andre 3000, one of the best rappers alive, certainly not one of the best basketball players alive. Yeah, no, he didn't even claim to be a, a ball player at all. Right. No, but he was really cool. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. Was there, was there any other stories on the set of that film? Well, the funniest one was like, people ask me about Will, Will Ferrell, they'll be like, did he know you? You know what I mean? And me going in at that time, I've been on A1 for like four years. I didn't necessarily think he would. But the first day, we had like a little training camp. It was kind of like, hey, for these guys who don't play ball, like, you know, let's, let's get the blood pumping, let's get a little sweat in, let's talk about choreography and stuff like that. And I remember he came up to me, he was like, and it was funny too. It's like you said, he's always funny no matter what he does. So like he walked up to me, he's like, are you the professor? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I like street ball. And I was like, oh, thank you, man. I was like, praise God, I appreciate that. So um, that was a really funny moment. All right, the YouTube channel that you created, you you dress up in superhero costumes. Yeah. Now you dress up in the, like Spider Man, fucking Aquaman. I don't know all different <laughs> costumes. Like, do you show up to the parks in costume? I do. So for that Spider Man thing, it's pretty funny. Yeah. We. So so tell me what that's like. So usually we'll just pull up. Actually, when we first started it, it was like a prank, right? We, it was more. Right. It was more prank than series. So like the first couple, I would have the cameraman already out there with nobody knowing, and I would just walk up you know, in full costume and then try to strike up a game, you know? So like the first couple, like I tried to start it myself. You want to play King of Court, you know? Whatever. And you have the costume on. Yes. I would say if you come in the car, co- I'm not even talking to you. Well, that's the first, the first time I rolled up. Like, there, I mean, they, I'm not speaking to you, man. I'm not playing with you. I'm not something. talking to you. Get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> I'm not playing with fucking Spider-Man. Take a fucking walk. Exactly. It was a little nutty. You know what I mean? So the first couple of times, some people look at me like, he's doing all drugs. And they're like, you want to play? Like, all right, I guess. So we pulled it off. The first couple, and then from then on, people get super hyped. Like every time we pull up, and I don't even have the guys just have them come with me now. You know what I mean? So we'll just walk up there, and usually somebody will just want to play like right out the gate. So I'm like, all right, let's do it, and we'll play our games. And as soon as I get done, I did, but I can only play like twenty or thirty minutes before I'm about to pass out because I can't really see, I can't breathe, and it's hard to feel the basketball. So. Yeah. And so far, so far as now, so you got your YouTube channel. What else are you up to in regards to basketball? Like, do you do clinics and stuff like that? I mean, kids must love love you. Whether I mean, younger kids, they probably don't know anyone. But when you do all the tricks and stuff like that, mm-hmm. they must love that. Do you get to you know like work with kids, like train kids? Like, what what do you do now with basketball? Like, what are you up to now? So right at this moment, the the main f- focal point of the business is YouTube. So uh, ball up ended about a year ago, um, but my contract ended just months ago. Okay. So um, I'm in the process now of trying to brigade tours in-house. We're trying to do Global Hooper tours, and then we're going to start the reality series on YouTube. So we're like weeks away from that, or like a week or so. And what's the reality series? Uh, it'll be me just like doing my daily stuff from building. Uh, we're launching a clothing line in the spring, uh, doing all the global travels. This is like I, I hadn't had a platform really since and one to be honest. Or Ball was on Fox Sports for a couple of years, but I never had a platform where people could keep up like – like my events and everything I got going on. It's like, they would just see like a random video and I try to explain it, but you know, they just took it as like, Oh, here's a video. There's a video of this, but I've actually been, you know, touring. And so I want to make it like a movement, you know, and we want to do our tours in-house. Those are global Hooper tours. 
So that's, so that's, that's a top dope. thing. Yeah, but as far as clinics, yeah, it, it, it'll show that too. I've done clinics for years. I mean, I couldn't even count how many clinics I've done. I've trained trained people here and there, uh, trained college players. That's dope. Trained Jeremy Lin one time. Uh, well, did that help? Yes. Well, like, so when you're training Jeremy Lin, yeah. obviously he, he could play. He's a pro ball player. Oh, yeah. And I mean, before that injury, like I was excited about him being with the Brooklyn Nets. Like, got better. How, how do you work with a pro player if you're training people? You're not teaching them how to do tricks. Like, no. you're going over like little details of their game. Yeah, totally. And I think like there's a lot of fundamental takeaways too. You know, like I don't just do tricks. Like if people right, see me play like a raw game. It's a, this is basketball, but then there's certain times where I implement it. Right. I don't never want to do something to take away from the productivity. I got, I got you. So um, so he had seen me play before. So he was like, hey, you know, I don't have any moves. He was like, you know, I want to work on so I want to get better at my ball handling. So That's awesome. the funny thing is I told a couple people this, never, never on record, but we were working on just like change of direction and like crossover type stuff because he he told me he's like I don't even go between the legs or behind the back. He's like I pretty much just put my shoulder down. I kind of give like quick hesitation. So I was trying to add like a pullback or like crossover moves that he can do out of the hesitation because a lot of times you want to create some space, you put your shoulder down like he does, right? But then you'll pull it back and then maybe shot fake, maybe go something like that. So we were working on that series and it was really dope and I don't even know if he took away my move necessarily, but like months after that, he actually crossed LeBron on a pullback. I don't know if you saw this play, but yes. LeBron like tripped and he, he missed the jumper, but I saw that he had like taken some of it. I didn't, I didn't actually ask him. So it's it. essentially you crossed LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I think that, you know, there was definitely stuff he took away that was be able to put put game applicable right away. Um, Obviously there's been... So many great guys from Iverson to Tim Hardaway. I mean, that you know, to 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 Steve Francis had it, to Skip to Malu, to yeah. I mean, different sort of handles, you know, throughout the years. In the league now, the professor, obligatory top five ball handlers and no particular order. That you like doesn't have to give one, just give me five. I mean, they're the and, uh, and give me what it is about them. Gotcha. Um I would say I would I start back. Let's let's go back some eras. I say Pistol Pete. Right. Pistol Pete's on the top all the time because it you know it's so hard to compare eras, right? Because Pistol Pete he was going off the Globetrotters. He got a lot of his stuff the sauce from the Globetrotters, and he kind of set the bar. As, like some of the moves I do today, like Pistol Pete or some of the the Globetrotters in forties fifties probably actually invented uh. or brought to the scene. So I would say Pistol Pete uh, for sure, and his his just how innovative he was. I would say, um. Allen Iverson, of course, for sure, and it, you know what it was is like he had a great like hesitations and crossovers, a good timing and stuff, but he was so electric, like he's so explosive, it's ridiculous. You know, people tried to say so and so had better handle than Iverson, some more moves. I don't know about that though, because like he was like making somebody fall like every week. You know what I mean? And and he was really sort of like boom, boom, yeah. You know, whereas Kyrie, who obviously he's at. the fucking pinnacle right yep, now yep. it's like a series it's crazy and and i don't know which is better i mean i think Kyrie, you're just like whoa but ai was like boom boom bye-bye that was tim my, hardaway yeah. too boom boom bye-bye more explosive i yeah you know what both those guys you, you, i could put tim hardaway i copied that crossover too is a great move i think i think yeah i think alan iverson no question just the explosiveness you know what i mean he's just a freak athlete yeah but they also they had to implement the palming rule because of his crossover so like when I asked him about it, I was like, how come you didn't stop doing a crossover? Like, what was it? And he, he was like, you know, they implemented that rule. He said they were upset because, you know, he felt like he could get anywhere he wanted on the court. 
So definitely AI. I was I put Kyrie up there for the new generation. What the fuck is he? Sometimes he's doing things like spinning it to him. Like he's like hitting it, and it's looks like he's spinning it, and and it's not the sham god. Because can you make heads and tails of what the fuck he's doing, Kyrie? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that his arsenal's crazy. That's why he would have to be on there. Like recently, they were trying to compare him and Iverson. It's just like so different, you know it's what I mean? Totally and different. Iverson was more explosive. Like, so he was quicker. Like, his first step was quicker. Yes. But Kyrie has more, a wider array, array of moves. And then, like, it's insane, like, how he'll keep his dribble through traffic. And then his finish at the bucket is nuts. That's a whole other thing. So, so. I but think, I'm just talking about when he's like, you even on slow motion, like, what? His footwork is nuts. The footwork is nuts. He does a lot of sh- like sham god type stuff. Yeah. But he's like taking it to like 2018. I, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Like his and spins, with the both hands too. Spins are nuts. Yeah, he doesn't have a strong side. He goes right and left the same. I, and I'm all, I'm actually most impressed that he can play like sort of that sauce street ball style of play, just at that level. And then he's always finishing. Like his finishes are nuts. Nuts. Yeah. And nuts. It, and it ain't even like an AI. Like AI would might dunk on you, or he like pull up for a floater because he's so explosive. But somehow. Kyrie, he finds like an opening in the basket and it puts a lot of English on the ball. He his floater game is crazy. It's not not a lot of weaknesses on offense. No, he's fucking sick. It's nuts. Yeah. All right, two more. I would say, um, I would say Jamal Crawford. Yes, underrated. Uh, and I think it's because he was like he's really like a two guard, but his handle was nuts. And I would say it was more so like like his handle in transition was crazy, and then also. He had it all, you know what I mean? Like crossovers, hesitations. I think Jamal Crawford, I think I think he might be 50, and he actually looks 31. I don't even understand. I think he's 50 years old. <laughs> Jamal Crawford's 50, like 49 or something like that, and he looks 30. I don't even know. I, he, might, he might look younger than 30. Yeah. He passed for like 25, 27, yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you make of Steph's handle? Because I feel like Steph right now, in all his glory, we're almost taking it for granted. It's It's been going on for so long and he does. He's got all the shit. He does all the the the, the tricks, mm-hmm. and it seems like he does them a little bit less now. Yeah, not much. Not like he's like slowing down or anything. Because like he's, I think he's averaging like thirty five points a game. It's nuts. Yeah, I, I would put Steph on there for the for the new generation. I, I was gonna say Rafer Alston, but here's the thing: Rafer, he had to go away from street ball in order for the NBA to accept him because at that time. Doing that stuff in the NBA game, which Kyrie has kind of like segued where it's ap- it's applicable now. But at that time, it was looked at as like, oh, that's some showboat stuff. We don't I, do that. Up I swear I saw this. And, and if anybody on YouTube could find it, I saw it with my own eyes. I saw him dribbling up the court, putting the ball between his legs, and the referee called a travel or a double dribble. It wasn't even a carrier. Dri- do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was ridiculous. There yeah. was, I mean, there was no one even near him. He was just bringing the ball up the court. And he wasn't like doing it off his knees. Mm-hmm. But he was just kind of fucking around, bringing the ball to court, and they blew the whistle. I think he had an X on his back. It's like the street ball guy or whatever, and some people didn't like it. You know what I mean? Similar to how Jay, they took it out of Jason Williams. Right. Like, not that Jason Williams, you know, major respect. He had a great career, won a championship, tightened up, improved a lot of aspects of his game. But I feel like if Jay Will would have played that style all the way through his career, we might be mentioning him a lot more. You know what yes. I mean? That's what I felt like. So I... I so I would put Jay Will. I could go three ways. I could say Steph for the new generation, no question. Even though his identity is more for shot, because I right. think he's the greatest shooter of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, hey, I agree. Let me ask you a question. I don't like this. The people running out of the fucking gym, making a big brouhaha 
over every crossover, even every crossover with a missed shot, every, uh, you know, coulda, woulda, he almost bodied him. He almost, and he didn't, and people like, it's the Instagramification. Yeah. People are jumping, running around like chickens with their heads cut off. I truly believe it's affecting the way people play defense. Certainly, uh, outside of the NBA, NCAA, I don't think you could get away with it because the coaching is, you know, it's part of, you know, it's part of basketball. But you watch like the NBA today, like Lonzo Ball, like the younger kids, like they'll sort of feign defense to avoid winding up on Instagram. And essentially, you're the fucking reason for it because you guys, you guys <laughs> sort of started this shit and you see all the players, all the Chris Pauls and all them, like they'll step away from playing defense. Do you know what I'm talking about? The NBA, yes. And social media made it like that too. It's like, so you, every, it was your every, fault. Everybody, hey, I'll take it. If I can influence the game, praise God. But no, I think, I think everybody's so brand conscious now, right? I mean, it's like, they know, listen, when Steph made CP3 falls that was horrible. two years ago, it's like a nightmare. This is like all you heard about on social media. Like was for, the fall. For, for a year after the season, like, you know, it was like baseball season, they're still playing that. Like, it could have scathed his stock. And did he not go head to head with Steph that game? I think Steph got the best of him, but he probably still had 15 and 8. You, you know what I mean? But the fall is like, that's all I want to talk about. But, you, you know, also is people are so in love with the celebration because it's so fun, right? right? Like, you can clown somebody so hard. Like, like if somebody gets made fall, people can't wait to scream, and it's not even it may not even be about that. It's they just, just want to run the around. The fact they want to crap on the guy who got shook and have fun, yeah. Um, yeah. all right, Professor Grayson, what else you got for me? Anything else? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, stay on the lookout for the clothing line. What's it called? Spring Global Hooper. Okay. Uh, we're saying it here first. I actually haven't went public with that. All right. Clothing's dropping in the spring. Is Global Hooper the Global Hooper Tour and Reality Series is going to start on uh, my YouTube channel, Professor Live. Um, yeah, follow up. Now, let me just ask you my final question. Yeah. You see me. Mm -hmm. I'm on you defensively. Now, I told mm -hmm. you I don't want the ball off my face. Yes. Like, I'm on you. I'm like, oh, I got the fucking professor. You want to fuck around here? I'm <laughs> Like, what are you going to start with me? The first thing I would do is I try to give, like, a quick twitch move and just feel you out. Let's see how you react to that. Like, to see, like, if I buckle out that, if I go for it. I have a quick cross where I do just, like, a right to left, like, real quick, like, Boom, boom. Just to see what's happening. See how you react to like that. Like, my dog reacted to that. I'm looking you. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Look, if you stood still, that's going to say something. What does that say? So if, if you stood still, then it might be a situation where I could hit you with a hezzy because you stood still, and now I might actually go and catch you by surprise. Mm -hmm. If you shook all crazy like this and went nuts, then I'll be like, oh, I might have to spend a little time on this and make him fall and, and go for the meniscus. Look at this. Have a Although, <laughs> <laughs> get a little get a little get to know you time yeah i, I wouldn't want your meniscus torn no I know who you are but if i didn't know you we're going there for sure all right professor thank you for rocking me on the i am rap oh, stereo oh, podcast man. uh you you know you're you're an icon man you're an icon hey, praise god man i really appreciate you that, you man. did Humble. your thing and i appreciate you coming on stay on the lookout for the reality show stay out of lookout listen any anybody who's playing ball and any any parks and gyms or if you see a guy dressed up as spider-man or superman don't take the bait. I'm just putting it out there. Don't take the bait. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast with the professor. All right. Yo, Grayson, that's his real name. Thank you for rocking with us on the I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Appreciate the stories. Appreciate the insight. Appreciate your love of the game and your hustle. Um, you got to check him out. You got to follow him on his YouTube page. Check him out on Instagram. All this shit is dope. If you love basketball, he's got a great sense of humor about it and a good dude. As promised, 
as I set it up earlier, uh, it's the return of the Robert De Niro line of the week. And today's Robert De Niro line of the week, uh, I gotta go. I gotta go to the well. I gotta go to the Raging Bull well. It's the very last scene from Raging Bull, uh, award-winning film, iconic film. I talked about it all the time. We have an entire episode dedicated to Raging Bull, and the guests are Martin Scorsese himself, Jake LaMotta himself, the real Raging Bull, um, Max Kellerman, John Turturro, Nick Turturro, Adam Carolla, and so much more, Danny Aiello. So if you want to hear the all Raging Bull episode, you can find it. It's an older episode, but it's fantastic. This is the return of the Robert De Niro line of the week. Let me do it right now. All right, so here we go. The return of the Robert De Niro line of the week. Since we talked so much about Raging Bull on this episode, and I have now declared myself the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, it's only right that we go with my all-time favorite movie, top to bottom, Raging Bull. This is the last scene in Raging Bull. Um, tell you a couple of things about this scene. If you watch the movie Boogie Nights, the last scene in Boogie Nights is stolen or inspired by almost to the T by Paul Thomas Anderson. The last scene in Boogie Nights when you see Mark Wahlberg's character, Dirk Diggler. He's in a dressing room getting ready to come out to do uh, a new porno. And that's when he pulls out his loaf. If you watch uh, the last scene of Boogie Nights... And then watch the last scene in Raging Bull. You'll see what I'm talking about. But we ain't talking about Boogie Nights. We ain't doing the Mark Wahlberg line of the week. No disrespect to Mark Wahlberg. We're doing the Robert De Niro line of the week from Raging Bull. Remember that scene in the back of the car with his brother Charlie? A small time racket guy. And it went something like this. It wasn't him, Charlie. It was you. Remember that night at the garden, you came down to my dressing room and you said, kid, this ain't your night. We're going to take the price on Wilson. Remember that? This ain't your night. My night. I could have taken Wilson apart. So what happens? He gets a title shot outdoors in a ballpark. And what do I get? A one-way ticket to Palookaville. You was my brother, Charlie. You should have looked out for me a little bit. You should have taken care of me just a little bit. So I wouldn't have to take the dives for short on money. You understand? I could have had class. I could have, I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. Let's face it. It was you, Charlie. That is the Robert De Niro line of the week, and I'm going to tell you what is so unusual and unique and crazy about that line from Raging Bull. As you may or may not know, that is a direct monologue, one of the most famous monologues in film history. By Marlon Brando from On the Waterfront. And it was crazy because in 1980, when Raging Bull came out, you had the guy that was considered the brand new method actor of his time, Robert De Niro, reciting a line from the previous decade's method actor of, of his time 
on uh, Marlon Brando because Marlon Brando is sort of the, the godfather, no pun intended, of all things method acting. Brando inspired everybody. Dustin Hoffman, Robert Duvall, Al Pacino, Jack Nicholson, and of course, Robert De Niro. So when you have Robert De Niro playing Jake LaMotta and Jake LaMotta doing Marlon Brando, but Robert De Niro is playing the part, if you still follow me, just the irony and, and, and just the, 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 the way Robert De Niro as Jake LaMotta played Marlon Brando's character of Terry Malloy, it was just dope because he did it in such a different tone because if you look at the original on the waterfront scene by Marlon Brando, he, he does it impassionally and, and, and I tried to do it as best I could uh, without imitating him too much uh, like Robert De Niro who sort of just does it emotionless. Anyway, I love uh, uh, Robert De Niro. I love Marlon Brando. I love all the actors I just mentioned and that is the return of the Robert De Niro line of the week, which I'm going to try to uh, do a little bit more of, but I don't want to play it out. So there you have it. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. We'll be right back. Yo, yo, that was that was dope, man. I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. Thank you. It's never going to be as good as Marlon Brando and uh, Robert De Niro, uh, uh, but I, I, it felt apropos to the Robert De Niro line of the week. Yo, what can I say? Listen, fans... Um, we talk all our shit, um, but we, we, we do it for the fans. The love that I'm getting uh, on Instagram in the DMs, the love that I get on Twitter, the love that I get on the street, the love that I get when I'm driving my car and people pull up next to me and ask for a picture, the love that I get when I'm out, uh, all the shout outs to the podcast. I see it all. I try to respond to all of it. I cannot tell you from the bottom of my heart how much it means to me, how much I appreciate it. I'm going to speak on behalf of G. Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty. Miles yeah. and Jordan, rocking with us when we were under duress means the world. We're going to continue to do our thing. We're going to continue to kick ass. We're going to continue to make the best podcast in the world. As I said at the top, have no fear. The Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast is here. Monetti, what do you got to say? Man, we kick ass. We're the best in the world. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. How do you like that, fucko? We're out. <laughs>